0: how faith works and I trust that you have been blessed so far with the service with the series and uh, we've really just touched the surface when it comes to faith there is so much when it comes to faith the Bible says that these three things shall remain faith hope and love amen so faith is something that will remain it means that faith is something that is vital and important to us as believers. So we've, we've touched the surface of faith, but today I want to share with you something about that faith is, as we know, faith is not something that, it's not the same as grace, if I can say it that way. Grace is undeserved, nothing you have to do, nothing you have to work for. Faith, you have to work your faith. You have to work out your faith, the Bible says. Faith is something that we don't just receive and then we have. Faith is something that can be built on. Faith is something that can be quantified. Faith is something that can be measured. The Bible says that Jesus spoke and He said, To each one is given a measure of faith. It is something quantifiable. It is something that can be calculated and and measured. It is something that can be increased. The disciples prayed and said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. And that was just for them to understand a parable that He shared. So Jesus didn't say, your faith cannot be increased. I rebuke you now. You're asking a stupid question. He would have done that. He's done it before. (laughs) A wicked and perverse generation. (laughs) But Jesus didn't say that. It means that our faith can be increased. The Bible says that we can add to our faith. The Bible says that we can build up ourselves in our most holy faith in Jude 1 verse 20 by praying in the Holy Ghost. So faith is something that we must participate in. There must be a participation when it comes to faith. Faith, if it's just inside of us, faith if it's just our faith and nothing happens from it is dead, James says. Faith without works is dead. Amen. Amen. So we've touched the surface, we've understood how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the Word, and that's a spiritual hearing. It's the same hearing that caused Paul to be able to hear the Lord Jesus Christ when he manifests himself where the others around him could hear a voice but not what was said. But Paul heard what the Lord said in that moment. It's a spiritual hearing. It means that when you open up the Word and you begin to get into the Word, you begin to hear the Word, By the Spirit, you're hearing the Word, that is what builds your faith. It means that by sitting in a service like you are right now, you are building your faith. Faith is coming. As you are hearing, faith is coming. And we know that it's not enough to just have it on Sunday, twice on a Sunday, once on a Wednesday. It must be a daily thing, a daily practice that we practice. Amen. So by now, I trust that you all have faith. I should hope that by now you all have faith. So now I'm going to teach you what we need to add to our faith. Amen. Because faith needs to be added to. There must be works accompanying faith. I can have faith for healing to take place. But if I do not pray for that person, there's no healing that's going to take place. I can have faith for breakthrough. But if I don't exercise and walk in that breakthrough, it will not be mine. Faith is walking in the things that are not. As though they are. It doesn't discredit the truth or the reality. It rather says I ascribe to a higher truth. The reality might be a diagnosis from a doctor. That might be the fact. But the truth that I ascribe to is higher than that. The truth that I ascribe to says that by His stripes I was healed. It is something that is mine as a child of God. It is mine to have my healing. There are certain benefits that a child of God has. One of them is salvation, another is deliverance, another is healing. Healing belongs to us, it has been paid for. It's like if you want a new car, the car is sitting in the dealership, it's paid for, it's paid for, it's done. All you need to do is go and take that car that's yours. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance. We know that that word substance in the amplifier says the title deed. It belongs to us. You might not be in the house. Someone else might be in the house. But the title deed says that it belongs to you. It means that you must walk in it as if it is. That is what faith is, right? So if that is faith. We know that now. We have faith. I trust you have faith. If you're online, you have faith. But if you... No, I'm, I'm joking. I was going to say, but you would have more faith if you were here. Yeah. Maybe it's true. I don't know. But let's go to... Let's start now with, uh, with, the, with the... That was a recap. <laughs> let's start with 2 Peter 1 verse 5. 2 Peter 1 verse 5. It says, But also for this very reason... Can you put it in the King James Version? I just want to see something. I think King James says it better. And besides this, besides this, it means that Peter is addressing something, but then he stops and he says, as important as this is, besides this truth, there is something else that you really need to know. There is something else that I really need to get across to you. So besides this, you need to know this. He says, besides this, giving all diligence. Now, he's saying this is something you must do with all diligence, right? So with all diligence, meaning put your attention to it. Put your effort and your energy to it. Do it with seriousness. Take it seriously. With all diligence, add to your faith. So Peter is saying, I know you have faith, but faith by itself is not enough. It's the same problem that James addresses in James chapter number two. He says that faith without works is dead. Your faith by itself is not enough. There must be things that you add to your faith. So he says, add to your faith virtue. And we'll get into each of these points. But he says seven things we must add. Add to your faith a virtue. And to virtue, add knowledge. Next verse. And to knowledge, add temperance. And to temperance, add patience. That's the swear word in Christianity, patience. And to patience, you must add godliness. And to godliness, you must add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, you add charity, right? So, like I said, the Bible says an interesting statement. It says, besides this, it says, there's something that being, is being addressed right now. But besides that thing that is being addressed that we won't touch on now, this is something you need to focus and give all diligence to. This is something that you cannot neglect. And that is to add to your faith these things, to add virtue. It means that you must give it your all and all your attention. The problem is many of us have not added to our faith. So you say you have faith for something. And you probably do. You have faith for that thing. But there is nothing added to that faith to cause it to happen. And I'll explain now. So what does it mean when you add something? Okay, if I say 1 plus 1 equals 2, right? Addition. In maths, addition. Addition. So when you add something, it doesn't mean that you... This is not a progression. This is not from, uh, you know, I'm in the permissible world, now I'm in the acceptable world, now I'm in the perfect world. No, this is not something, a transition. This is something that must be built on and added to. It means that even though you have faith, you must add to your faith virtue. It means that now you have faith and virtue. And then when you add to virtue you add knowledge it now means that you have faith, virtue and knowledge it's not one or the other where I can say okay I'm in the virtue season or I'm in the knowledge season no you must add to your faith these things right so there's seven things it's virtue it's knowledge it's temperance patience godliness brotherly kindness and charity those are the seven things that we must add to our faith are you with me? Okay, so, like I said, have you ever seen somebody, or maybe it's been you, where you say you have faith for something, but your story isn't changing? You sing on Sunday, my story is changing. You have faith, but your story isn't changing. Nothing has happened yet. You you've prayed, you've attended the conferences, you've done all of these things, but nothing is happening. You've fasted, you've been praying, you've 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 ask for prayer. You've been to see uh, many people. You've been to many services. You've seen visiting ministers. You've done everything you can, but nothing is happening. Why? You have faith. It's not that you don't have faith. You have faith for what you're trusting. Whether it's healing, breakthrough, whatever it is. You have faith. But there are certain things that need to be added on top of your faith. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So the first one is we must add virtue. Now, the word virtue there is the same word for power. It's dunamis. So we must add, someone's getting it. You must add power to your faith. You must add virtue to your faith. You must add power to your faith. It's like, but to ha- so you have power. Now if we understand dunamis, it talks about miracle potential, if I can say it that way. It is the potential to cause a miracle dunamis is where we get dynamite from its potential energy but there must be an igniter there must be a fuel that ignites that power that causes it to be to to explode or to exercise that power it's the same word power that it says in Acts 1 verse 8 but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so we have this power we've received this power by the Holy Spirit but this power must be added to our faith how do we add this power to our faith? let's go to Jude 1 verse 20, I'll tell you there is something that needs to be added to this power to cause it to actually generate effects and work and, and work out it's the same as if we have a generator with no fuel the generator is the dunamis it's the potential for power but there must be fuel that is added to that generator to cause it to generate that power. It has the potential for power. But if you're not generating it, it's not going to happen. So what does the Bible says? But ye beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith. On top of your most holy faith, build yourself up. Praying in the Holy Ghost. So for this power to be energized, there must be praying in the Holy Ghost. There must be prayer that causes the dunamis, that virtue, that power to be able to work through your life as it's added to your faith, that when you have faith for a miracle, you can have faith for a miracle, but now there is power that is added to your faith. Now there is virtue added to your faith and you're praying in the Holy Ghost and suddenly that miracle takes place because the power that causes it to work is added to your faith. So you could say that these are the works of faith because we know that faith without works is dead but we must work on our faith. But many people would ask, but how do I work on my faith? You know, I have faith for a house. Does that mean that I must just go and sit in someone's house and it's mine now, I claim it. So these are the works of faith. We must add to our faith virtue. Power, that word virtue is described as the ability to cause change. It is the ability to cause change to take place. That is the word power, the word virtue uh, from 2 Peter. So an example, maybe there's somebody, or, uh, somebody in your life that needs a healing. You've stood in faith. You've maybe, you know, you're praying for that person. You're trusting God. You have faith for that person. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost and you build up that, that that generating that power, that dunamis, that power that's in you, that is when the change can take place. That is when you feel the power come upon you and suddenly you can begin to pray for that person and they get healed. That is that power that we're talking about. So we must add to our faith virtue. It's something that must be added. It's true that faith is good. But the Bible says, faith without works is dead. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for. Faith is what we can stand on. It's our foundation that says that this is the truth. But you can know all the truth. If you do nothing with it, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's like many people who who know that they are healed. I I shared this testimony um, with, I was in Cape Town last week with Pastor Stefan's church. And I shared the testimony of the time that Pastor Stephen prayed for me with Prophet. And I got healed. And I knew that you could get healed. <laughs> I was a youth leader. I was facilitating that youth camp. I was organizing that thing, if I can say. Prophet Leon was there as the speaker. And I, I was running the thing. I was the, the, the leader of the church. Youth leader. So I knew these things. It wasn't a foreign concept. I knew that the Bible says, his tribes do a healed. I had seen people in church get healed. I was in the service that Prophet Leon talks about where he pulled the woman out of a wheelchair who had had a a broken hip and she began to walk around the church with him. I was there, I'd seen it. But there was something that was not there because when I was hurt my back badly, I'd already hurt it before and then I hurt it again at this camp. I couldn't walk. It felt like something was out of place. It was so excruciating. And my first thought is... (laughs) I need medicine. I'm going to go to the hospital. I need to do this, I need to do that. So, was the Stephen and Prophet are like, No, let's pray for you. I'm like, Oh, yeah, let's do that. We can try that one too. And as they put their hand on my back, I felt my back straightening and I'm like, What are you doing? <laughs> that was my first thought is, What are you doing to me? Don't you know I'm in pain? <laughs> and when I got healed in that moment, I jumped up and I was shocked because I was like, What happened? How did this happen? (laughs) Me, a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer got healed and was shocked that the Bible says that by his stripes you were healed. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I'm shocked that it's now happening in real life right in front of me because it's now personal to me. It's not something that I've heard about, seen and spoken about and believed. It's something that I've experienced for myself. Where the Bible says we have tasted and handled these things. No one can convince me that you can't get healed. I've been healed. Your story is not my story. I'm sorry to tell you. If someone's trying to convince me, no, it's not true. But the point is that there needed to be something. They had faith for healing. I even maybe had faith for healing. But maybe not because I doubted. Because I was shocked. I revealed my lack of faith. But it's changed now. But they could have faith for my healing, but I would still have had that condition if they didn't take action. If there was no power added to that faith, if there was no virtue added to that faith, that's the condition of many people, is that we have faith for something, but there's no virtue or power being added because we're not praying in the Holy Ghost. So we're not causing... Our generator is standing there. We've been given the power. The generator is standing there. We need to put the fuel in and turn it on. So we need to add to our faith. Having faith, I said, is good. It's fine to have faith. But if you want to be effective and see results, there must be something added to your faith. This is the works of faith. If we look in Galatians, we don't have to go there. Galatians chapter number two, it speaks of, of... If somebody comes to meet you and they come to you with a need and they come requiring something and you say to them, peace, just go, go in peace and you do nothing for that person, then you don't have faith. That is not faith. Faith has got works. James says, show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. How will the world know that we have faith if there's no works accompanying us? It? It's one of the biggest indictments of the, of the world on Christianity. Is that we talk about this power, we talk about that we have the Spirit, that we have that healing is our portion, we have deliverance. We talk about all these things, but too few people are actually demonstrating what we believe. It's like I love the story of Benson Idahoza because he got saved. And in a service, his pastor is preaching, saying, If you if you, these signs will follow those who believe, they will cast out devil, they will heal the de- they'll even raise the dead. He's preaching. So Bensonada Hosa goes up to him afterwards and says, Is it true what you say? Is it true what you say that if I believe I can raise the dead? So the pastor said, Yes. Then he says, Have you done it? He says, No. And the story goes that Benson, Idaho, riding on his bicycle, left that church service, going around to every village, asking, is there someone dead in your village that I can pray for? Until eventually he found a dead person, raised a dead person to life. And did it many, many times since then. Why? Because he had faith, but then he allowed his faith to work. He didn't just sit in church having faith that somebody can be raised from the dead. He didn't just sit in church having faith that somebody can be healed. He didn't just sit in church having faith that somebody can be saved, delivered and set free. That your situation can change. He did something with His faith. He caused His faith to move from faith into works. And it caused His faith to be alive. Because faith without works is dead. Amen. Have your seats, have your seats. The Bible says that even the demons believe. James says, (laughs) he's a little bit rude with this, but he says, oh, you believe in one God. That's great. Even the demons believe and they believe and tremble. Some of us just believe. But even the demons believe. It's not enough to just believe. There must be works accompanying our faith. Otherwise, faith without works is dead. So if it's something that I personally need to add to my faith, it doesn't say that this will be added to your faith. It's not, like I said in the beginning, it's not like grace which is freely given without merit or work or anything, we receive grace. Through, uh, by grace, uh, grace by faith, right? That's what the Bible says. So faith needs to be added to. And if I have to personally add virtue to my faith, it means that it is a work that I have to do to build up my faith, to add onto my faith so that I can ultimately walk in the fullness of what God has for me, Right? So it's something that I have to add to. So we know that we have faith. But what is on top of your faith? What has been added to your faith? The first is, is virtue. It's not enough to just say that we believe there is a God. Or we believe that God will heal. If you believe it, then do it. if you believe that the Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is living and breathing and moving inside of you, then by that same Spirit, by that same power, you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. By that same Spirit, by that same power, you can minister and reach out to the people in your workspace, wherever you are. And the power of the Holy Spirit will convict them and will lead them to repentance, will lead them to salvation. The problem many times is we think that that's our part. My part is not the convincing. My part is not the leading you to salvation. That's the Holy Spirit's part. My part is to be the vessel that God uses. If God wants to pour out salvation upon somebody, He's looking for somebody who's going to say, I will pray for you. He's looking for hands that He can use. There's no power in me or of me that's from me personally that can cause somebody to have salvation. It's nothing of me. It's everything of Him. The moment we realize that, we can do our part in faith knowing that when we show up, God will show up. If I show up, then God will show up. If I do what He says, He will do what He says. If I do what He says, He will do what He says. If He says, lay hands on the sick, I lay hands on the sick. He says, they shall recover. He doesn't say, I will make them recover. He says, He'll do that. I lay my hands, they will recover. I lay my hands, they receive the Holy Spirit. He gives them the Spirit. But we must do something, take action, do something. I'd rather, I'd rather do something and do something wrong than do nothing. And trust me, if you want to learn, you'd make mistakes. The first time I ever prayed for somebody in a wheelchair, I, was, I think Lloyd was with me it was outside gateway and we were we were doing evangelism but we were so on fire for god all we wanted was to see him move so we were praying for people and and the whole time i just felt i just want i, I just had this desire to pray for someone in a wheelchair and it's not a common sight well it wasn't a common sight that night let me say i was looking if i saw a person in a wheelchair i was like yes i'm going to pounce on that guy and i don't know what i thought was going to happen <laughs> but we, I w- we went back round to the front entrance and as we went round, as as I stand here, through the entrance walking out was a, a, a wife with her husband who was in a wheelchair. And I'm like, yes, I'm like, yo, this is confirmation. This person's going to stand and walk. As I get there, I'm like, can I pray for you? He's like, yeah, okay, sure. And then he says, but I must tell you that I've been to Benny Hinn and I've been to these services and I'm just like, I'm like freshly saved. I'm listening to Benny and all the time. I think that, I'm like, yo, he's, he's something, I'm nowhere. He tells me these things. I've been praying for Benny Hinn. I've been to many services. I, I, and I'm just like, yo. <laughs> so I'm almost like, is it okay if I don't pray for you? <laughs> so I prayed for this person, but I prayed no faith. My faith was shot at that point. I'm thinking, Yo, if Benny Hinn can heal this guy, who am I to touch him? I'm like, okay, you know, Father, we thank you. I'm like praying for him and I'm thinking, what must I pray even? Because uh, I, was, I was ready to grab his hand and say, rise and walk. Like Peter and James and John. Now I'm like, Father, we thank you that you by his stripes he's healed. And, you know, uh, I pray right now that you would heal them. And, and i just finished praying. I'm like, do you feel, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I'm like, do you feel anything? Is anything happening? He's like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but you learn things. You make mistakes. I allowed my faith to get impacted at that point. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't. I don't know what would have happened if it happened now. But I, you learn. So don't be worried about making mistakes. Rather be the person that reaches out. It's like if if somebody comes for healing and I pray for them and they don't get healed, that does nothing to my faith. Because my faith is not in their healing. My faith is in the God who heals. Because I will not allow one time of something not happening to rob everyone else that I could potentially pray for. And let me say that anyone that I've ever prayed for that has been healed, it is because I didn't stop after the first times when I, they weren't healed. Don't stop when, you, when things don't happen the way you think it's gonna happen because your faith is not in the outcome. I said your faith is not in the outcome. My faith is not in healing. My faith is not in breakthrough or deliverance or financial prosperity. My faith is not in those things. My faith is in the God who can cause those things. That is where faith is. Because the devil would love to tell you, oh well, you know, it didn't happen that last. Oh, remember that one time you tried to pray for that person and nothing happened. For whatever reason. I'm not saying that it's okay, that there's no reason. I'm not saying that. There can be many reasons. It can be my fault. It can be their fault. It can be no one's fault. But if you're trying to fault find, you're going to find that the fault is never with God. Smith Wigglesworth said, if God is not moving, then I must change because I must be doing something wrong. But that's a bit besides the point. There must be moments and times where you pray in the Holy Ghost. Where you build yourself up on your most holy faith. That you add that energy, that, that, that fuel to the power, the virtue that must be added to your faith. So that there can be power that accompanies your faith. Virtue that accompanies your faith. Then it says, let's go back to, it's 2 Peter, um, it's 2 Peter I think it's 1 verse 5, yeah. So then it says, add to your virtue knowledge. Oh, I actually have time. I'm thinking I must wrap up. No, I've got time. We can get into this. So to add to our virtue, knowledge. When I say knowledge in English, we think it's to know something, right? I have knowledge. It means I know something. But in the Greek, and the word that they use there is ginosko, which is the deepest, highest form of knowledge that you can get. It's not just oh, I, I know something, Why well, I know this truth. It is a much deeper level of knowledge that is described here. It's, it's talking about operating on a level of knowing. It's where the Bible says, by the Spirit we know. It is a knowing that takes place within you. There is no doubt. There's no, there's no questioning of the source. I can have knowledge that there's a roadblock on the highway because somebody told me. That's surface level. But I can question the source. Maybe they heard it from someone else. When you have this knowledge, it is a knowing that you know that you know. There is no question, no doubt. There is a knowledge that is inside of you that must be added to your faith. It's Gnosko, it's knowledge that must be added to your faith. It's not a theory. It's not a thought. It's not something that somebody came up with. It is a knowing that you have. You know within yourself. It is knowing. So we know that you can add knowledge. There's many ways to add knowledge. One of them is to add knowledge by, uh, you know, going to school. You can, you can accumulate, acquire knowledge. It's what they call acquired knowledge. Or you can say scientific knowledge. I can go to school And I can add knowledge. I can go to university, study engineering, and I'll have the knowledge of an engineer. That's acquiring knowledge. In this this sense, you can acquire knowledge through reading the Bible. We understand. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. When you spend time in the Word of God, you have knowledge that is increased. And that knowledge can be added to your faith. Let me say it this way. If you have faith but you have no knowledge, you don't know what needs to be different. If you don't know that you can have deliverance, you will sit with your demons your whole life and never have the life or the better life that God intended for you because you didn't know. So there must be acquired knowledge, accumulated knowledge. And that comes by spending time in the Word. But then there's also revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. That is when things are revealed to you by the Spirit. So there must be understanding. There must be knowledge that is added. For example, if somebody is sick, but they're unsaved. You can have knowledge that... As a child of God, healing is their inheritance, it's their portion, it's a promise of salvation. So you can have that knowledge, lead them to the Lord and minister to them the healing. That is having knowledge. So you can apply it or you can try and pray and pray and pray and, and, you know, see what happens. And understand this. This is now talking about faith and what we can do from our side. Understand that God is omnipotent. He's uh, He's uh, He's omnipresent. There is nothing that is impossible for God. He can heal anyone. He can heal an unsaved person. In fact, this last Sunday in Cape Town, a man came to me after the service and said, he first starts off the story by saying, um, You know, this hand, and he shows me his hand, and there's a massive scar in his hand. He says, seven years ago, I had a bike accident, and uh, I haven't been able to use my hand properly. There's no strength in it. There's no feeling. They they did operations, but they botched it. They cut the tendons. They cut the nerves. They did all this stuff. And then he said, and when you prayed for me, you grabbed my hand. And I'm like, oh, my. I'm like, you're okay. I'm like, do we have lawyers? (laughs) But then he started to cry. And he tells me the story of how he's never been to church. The only time he's been to church is through, for weddings and for funerals. And he says that him and his boss, they've come to the end of themselves in their business. And they just decided they need to turn to God. His mom comes to this church. So they said they're going to come. And then he says, but let me tell you, when you prayed for me, my hands started to itch. I said, this hand, the same hand that you haven't been able to feel he said yes I have not and he's crying and he starts saying dude, he literally said these words dude you gave me my hand back I'm like I gave you nothing God healed you so there we have an unsaved person who's never been to church receiving healing that is God's divinity and his sovereignty I promise you I felt nothing when I prayed for that person like nothing I was even like, did I pray for you? I don't remember praying for you. It was like five minutes before. That is God's sovereignty and His divinity. He can heal anyone. He can heal you sitting in your chair right now without any of my involvement. There's nothing impossible for God. But when it comes to my faith, if I want to be diligent, with all diligence I must add to my faith, if I want to be really diligent about my faith and working out my own salvation in fear and trembling, then I will add these things to my faith knowing, in fact, I must hurry up because there's a lot I still need to get to. So we add knowledge. So we must have knowledge and understanding of how things work. Then you can leverage those things in the situation. Jesus had knowledge. When the devil came to tempt him, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. He had knowledge that contradicted the situation directly. It's like, I think Pastor Martin said, you must open the book, And find the place where it is written concerning your situation. You must know what is written concerning your situation. You must have knowledge. So you add to your faith virtue. You add to virtue knowledge. Now you have faith, virtue and knowledge. They're all added together. There's a lot I can share. What do you think you carry? What do you think that you carry? Many of us have an old school belief where we think that God is seated on the throne, and then what happens is this: I pray, I say I pray for somebody. Now they need a healing. I pray for them. I grab, I grab their hand, and I'm praying, and I'm like, "Okay, Father, we thank you." That you hear us and Father, I pray that this person will be healed. And we think that this is what happens. That God is sitting on the throne and then he stands up and then he's like, oh, I'm being called. Then he comes down and then he heals the person and then he goes back to the throne and he says, I don't know what God you serve, but that's not the God that I serve. He has given us his spirit. He's placed the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead within us. We need the knowledge that that is the truth. It's a knowing. It's not just an acquired knowledge. It's not just something that I've heard or learned. It's something that I know. It's a knowing that takes place inside of me. Amen. Have your seats. Have your seats. For example, if Jesus says, if you believe, if if one believes and and If you believe this, that Jesus said, You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If that's a knowing inside of you, then when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Because you have this knowledge. If you don't have that knowledge, you won't lay hands on them. And then they still won't recover. So why not just take the step? What if they do? What if your back does get healed and you get shocked? (laughs) So it says that we must add to our knowledge temperance. Add to knowledge temperance. And to temperance patience. And to patience godliness. So to knowledge we must add temperance. What is temperance? When you think of temperance, you think temper. So temperance is control of your temper. Or another word is self-control. Temperance is self-control. It says that you must add to your faith self-control. It's great that you have faith, but you must also have self-control. Not be somebody that just goes off on the temper. There must be self-control. And not, we don't just add this, we do it with all due diligence. It means that if there's something that causes me to lose control, I must deal with that thing so that I have temperance and I can add that temperance to my faith. Then it says to temperance, I'm going to go quick. It says to temperance, we must add patience. Patience. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we read the, the miracles that took place and we read them happening as fast as we can read them. But many times we do that and we miss the details. For example, when Elijah prayed for there to be rain. Remember, Elijah is the one who, who said there would be drought. So Elijah declares there's going to be a drought. Now he's saying, okay, we need to pray for rain. So he goes and prays for rain. And he sends a servant up the mountain. It wasn't like a, you know, we read it and it says, and he sent the servant and he checked and there was nothing and he came back. And we think, oh, it took like three seconds. No, he's praying. And while he's praying, he sends the servant. The servant then climbs up this whole mountain, goes and looks, and he sees, ah, oh, there's nothing. He climbs down that whole mountain, goes back to Elijah and says, now there's nothing. Now, I don't know how long it takes you to climb a mountain. I don't know what mountain that was, but it certainly was in five minutes. It wasn't Elijah praying for five minutes, looking at his watch, thinking, oh, God, What's happening? And the, the servant didn't give a favourable It wasn't like, As you know Elijah, I, I, there's, there's a small cloud. There's something. He says there's nothing. <laughs> it's just like there's nothing. It's not working. It's not working. Too many people give up the first time it's not working. The book of James says, if Elijah, Elijah was a man just like us, just like us, if he can pray for there to be drought and there's drought, if he can pray for there to be rain and there's rain, how much more so us? But then, so he sends a servant, and the servant comes back. How many times did this happen? Seven times. Seven times Elijah prayed. He didn't stop praying. He prayed. He was praying and then he sends the servant. We don't know how long it was between he sent him. I don't think that the servant came back and then he's like, no, go check again straight away. He would have said, okay, let's pray. Pray more. Seven times he sent him back. And when he came back, he said the final time, he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's fist. But for six times he said, there's nothing happening. What if Elijah gave up after the fourth or fifth or even sixth time? There must be things that are added to our faith. One of them is patience. We must add patience. It's an ingredient that must be added to our faith. The same is true for Elisha because Elisha prayed for a dead... Elisha sent his servant to go and pray for a dead boy the dead boy of the, of the woman um, that built him the house. He sends a servant. The servant prays and nothing happens. Then Elisha Elijah comes in and he prays now. He's praying for this person. The Bible even says that he begins to walk to and fro. You can imagine the situation. He's praying. He's walking. He's praying. He's walking. He's, and, and nothing's happening yet. His servant's already prayed. He, imagine if it's you yourself in this situation you come to this child the room of this child who's dead the child that you you prophesied would come the promise is dead you come in there and you pray and nothing happens you're going to look at the people that are with you like what now Elisha prayed again he walked to and fro he did not give up on the healing he did not give up on the promise he did not give up on the miracle that needed to take place he had patience and then the Bible says that the child began to sneeze seven times we need to add to our faith patience I wonder and I'm scared to think of how many breakthroughs I never received because I gave up We say, oh, you know, if it's God's will. I don't know if I shared the story of how we tried to raise a dead person from the dead. I'm just glad that I can also share some healings that actually happened and not all the botched attempts. We, <laughs> we, we were at a conference. Lloyd was also there. <laughs> it's, so it's me and Lloyd that we have this problem. So you with me this, with this. So we were at this conference, it's about faith. We're hearing about faith. When our faith has stood up, we're like, man, we can do anything. And we had been, there was a move of the Spirit that was happening amongst us. We had been praying at the hospitals every week. Just, in fact, they, we would go to the hospitals and it's the, the people that we prayed for the day before aren't there anymore. And we asked, what happened? No, this person's now fine. He, this, this person who had all these pins and, and stuff in his bones, now he's healed. He's fine. We were emptying the hospital rooms. So, we were praying for this one person. He was in ICU and he had, I can't even remember what the condition was, but we were praying. And man, when you pray like that in a hospital bed with somebody, the presence of God is so strong, you just begin to speak. So, we like prophesying, No, you will live and this will happen. And we like speaking all these things. Then, three days later, he died, but he died in the middle of this conference. We like, No, we have faith. We have faith. We, we, he's got, there's a word that's been spoken. This is a contradiction to the word. And all these things, we have faith. We're going to go pray for this person. We go. We go to the hospital. We ask the hospital, where's the morgue? They tell us. We go to the morgue. The person at the morgue is like, what do you want to do? <laughs> we're like, no, can we go into the, can you bring this body out? They're like, no, they're in the freezer. I'm like, can we go in the freezer? At that point, we're like, we don't care about nothing. We just want to pray for this person. He's going to come back to life. So they're like, no, you can't, but you can go into the preparation room. So we're standing literally outside of the door to the freezer. The body is in there and we are like praying and believing that that man is going to walk through that freezer any minute. But we pray and, you know, it was after the morning session. We wanted to get back to the evening session and we're praying and it's like been an hour and we like, then we start to pray. Now we're like thinking, you know, we've already prayed now. If it's God's will, it'll happen <laughs> and we start saying all of these things you know no we've already done this we've already done that and then we're like no it's it's fine we've we've prayed now if it's God's will this person will be healed he'll come back from the dead and he'll come out of this freezer and we we were expecting even we had so much faith we were expecting the phone call we were thinking this person's family is going to phone us and say yes he's alive and we went back to the service that night and the message was still on faith, but now it was on what faith is not. And I think eight things were listed and we ticked every box that day. <laughs> but there requires a patience. It's like Smith Wigglesworth. He pulled a man out of his own casket in his own funeral. He interrupted the funeral service. He was sitting in the chair and he got so frustrated with the situation while the pastor is still ministering the funeral. He jumps out of his chair, grabs this person out of the casket, begins to slam him against the wall and I'm thinking at that point <laughs> there's no turning back. You can't exactly take that bo- that guy and say, okay, what do you have to put him back in the casket? <laughs> there is a a patience, a persistence that is required to be added to our faith. Smith Wigglesworth had faith for that man to be raised from the dead, but he also had the patience to slam him against the wall many times. But he came back to life. Smith Wigglesworth didn't have a different Holy Spirit. He didn't have a different spirit. The same Spirit is inside of us. Have a seat, have a seat. I'm going to go quickly now. It says, to patience we must add godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is when you have a certain character that looks like God. It is where your character begins to reflect God. There's a godliness to you. It's, it's It's when you walk and when you speak and how you act... And, and how you handle people who are fighting with you. How you handle people that are disagreeing with you. It's everything about how you handle situations. That reflects your character and it reflects your godliness. How does a godly person respond when people are attacking them? How does a godly person respond when people are fighting with them? Do they respond and say, if that person speaks against me one more time, I'm going to take my gun, I'm going to go to the... There's nothing godly about that. That's evil. Godliness must be added to our faith. Then it says, so it's a behavior. Godliness is a behavior. Then it says to to godliness, brotherly kindness. Now I'm, I'm glad that they said the word brotherly kindness because it's not talking about kindness to everyone. It's fine, be kind to everyone, but he's specifically mentioning brothers. It's the same word brethren. It talks about the church. Have kindness to those in the church. This is one of the biggest problems with the world today. It's not Muslims attacking Christians. It's not Hindus attacking Christians. It's not unsafe people attacking Christians. It's Christians fighting Christians. Brother fighting brother, sister fighting sister. That is the reality we have now. There must be brotherly kindness that is added to our faith. It's not about the people that are outside, it's about people that are inside. We must love our brothers and sisters in Christ and show them kindness. So, what happens is the enemy wants us to hate our brothers gossip and slander and you know did you hear what this one said about that one did you know that this happened and did you see that this person is now with this person and they were with that person before and it happens because the devil wants us to hate each other because we need each other so he wants to disable us by hating each other that they can't be this unity The Bible says that where there's unity, God commands His blessings. So we must have brotherly kindness. Then it says to kindness we must add charity. Let's go to the NIV. It says it much better. So to godliness, mutual affection, brotherly love. And to mutual affection, love. So we must add to our faith, love. This is the most crucial part of all of this. Love must be added to our faith. I might have faith that can move mountains, but if I have no love, no mountain will move. I might have faith for miracles and breakthroughs, but without love, no miracles or breakthroughs will take place there must be love that is added to my faith and we know the Bible says a lot about love in 1 Corinthians 13 we can go there 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 1 it lists there's 14 things or 14 monitors or measures of love that must be in your life for you to have love this is the problem with many miracles not happening let me say this because what is the desire for the miracle? And this was, I didn't want to say it earlier because it would reveal this punchline, but when I prayed for that man in the wheelchair outside of Gateway, the motive behind it was, I wanted to see, of course, him healed. But why? I wanted to go back and tell everyone, I prayed for this man and they got, got out of the wheelchair. My motivation was not Love. My motivation was boasting in myself. There must be love for faith to work. There must be love. If You must love somebody so much that you want them not to be in the situation, not for anything else. The miracle must be birthed not in the altar or in a public ministry, not you where I'm standing here and now I pray for you and that's where the miracle is. No, the miracle must be birthed in intimate prayer where my prayer is out of a place of love, that I love God's people, that I love what God loves and for that love, I cannot stand by and see them in the condition they are. The Bible says that Jesus being moved by compassion Jesus didn't heal people because then everyone would say, this is somebody that heals. He was moved by compassion many times and He saw a person afflicted and He said, I love this person. In fact, I'm going to die for this person. I cannot see them in this state. I'm going to pray for them and they're going to be healed. That is the motivation we must have when it comes to faith. Have a seat. have a seat. So it says in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become the sound of a brass or clanging cymbal. Even our prayer with no love cannot be effective. It becomes like a clanging cymbal. In fact, another translation says that it attracts demons even. When you have love, that is when God begins to back you. Because he knows that if this happens, it's not going to puff you up, make you boastful, make you have self-love. No, he's going to come through for the sake of the person. The anointing is not for me. The anointing is always for others. The anointing is always for others. It's not for me so that you can say, wow, clap hands, that guy's so anointed. No, it's always for other people. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove the mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. It means that even if you have faith, without love you are nothing. You can prophesy, but without love it is nothing. Verse 3 And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor And though I give my body to be burnt But have not love It profits me nothing Even your giving Without love Giving of material things Even giving of yourself Without love profits nothing So we must have love. Okay. Next verse. This is where we start the list. These are the monitors of love. Love suffers long and is kind. Do you suffer long? Are you kind? That reveals that you have love. Love does not envy. I think in the Message Bible it says that love re- does not get upset when somebody else succeeds or does well. Love does not parade itself. Love doesn't say, I'm the greatest, look at me, I'm anointed, I prayed for this, I did that, no. Love is not puffed up, it's not boastful. Next verse. It does not behave rudely. This is the checklist, if you ever need to measure if you have love, are you rude? Are you puffed up? Love does not seek its own. Is it for me or is it for you? Love is not provoked. If I love, then you will not be able to provoke me. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity. This is a big one. Because we justify ourselves by other people's sins. Did you see so and so? They had committed adultery. There's an affair. They're getting divorced. And what you're actually saying is, I'm better than that person. I'm, I, I'm doing well because I never did that. But the pride of your heart is worse than the sin of adultery there. The sins of the heart are worse than the sins of flesh, right? But rejoices in the truth. The truth of what? It rejoices in the truth that somebody else is blessed. Somebody else is (laughs) prospering. Somebody else is receiving breakthrough. We rejoice in the truth. Next verse. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Why do things fail? Because they have no love. Love never fails. It cannot fail. But where there is prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in parts. But when it, that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So... What it's saying there, it's a bit confusing. Because it sounds like when what is perfect is... It sounds like when, when, when we get raptured, there's going to be no need for prophecy and all these things. And, and that's one way of looking at it. But other scholars will say then that what is perfect is love. So when what is perfect, which is love, has come, then that which is in part, another translation says, will be complete. So I think it's the King James Version. Because it says done away, but it's not actually what it says in the Greek. Or maybe it's, I don't know, We in, try the NIV, because it was one of the verses I was reading. It doesn't mean done away with like it's finished. Oh, oh man. but when completeness comes, oh, that was it, the completeness comes. So when the completeness comes, that is talking about love. It means that which is in part will also be complete. The part is disappearing. It's no longer in part. That's what it was saying. It's no longer in part. Now it is complete. Because it has love. But let's go back to, I'm going to close now. Let's go back to 2 Peter 1 verse. I think we were in verse 7 or 8, 8 or 9. I think verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. In the NIV, please. 2 Peter 1, verse 8. For if you possess... So now, okay, let's go back to verse 5. Let me just recap. So it says, for this very reason, make every effort, all due diligence to add to your faith. It says goodness, but it means virtue, power. And to virtue, add knowledge. Next verse. And to knowledge, add temperance, self-control. And to that, you must add perseverance or patience. And to patience and perseverance, you must add godliness. And to godliness, you must add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness or mutual affection, you must add love. Next verse. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, Not just, oh, I have now, I've got love or I have godliness or I have self-control or I have patience or I have virtue and now I'm fine, I'm complete. It must be having these qualities in increasing measures. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means that when you add these things to your faith, It prevents you from being unaffective. What's the opposite of being unaffective? It means that when you add these things to your faith, you will be effective and you will be productive in everything that you do. But you must not just add them. There must be an increasing measure. It must be something that I add and I build on and I build on. These are the works of faith that must cause my faith to become alive. Have a seat, have a seat. The next verse says, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. It means when you don't have these things in your life, you are short-sighted and you're blind. You're blind to the things. In this, let me paint the picture. You're in the situation where you're sitting and you have faith. But your story is not changing. Nothing is happening. You're nearsighted, you're looking here and you're thinking, why am I not seeing there? Why am I not seeing that breakthrough? Why am I not seeing that promotion? Why am I not seeing that that, that healing? Why am I not seeing that deliverance? Why am I not seeing that thing? Because I have faith and it's fine, I have faith. But I have never added anything to my faith. And I'm not constantly increasing and adding those things to my faith. And it's causing me to become nearsighted and blind. Forgetting, this is the danger, this is the worst one. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. It means when you're not adding these things to your faith, you can become in a, become in a state where you even forget your salvation. You even forget that you've been cleansed of your sins. What does that mean? It means that I forget my state and my standpoint and where I am. I forget that I'm seated in heavenly places. I forget that I'm a royal priest to the chosen generation, a peculiar people that have been set apart for Him. I forget things like bias stripes I am healed because I am a born again, blood bought, washed in this blood believer. That is the condition that we can become in if we don't have the works of faith. Amen.